Tuesday, and welcome to another edition of Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad that you've joined us. So despite the economic problems that were created by the pandemic, something really contrary has happened over the last 12 or 14 months. Home renovations and purchases have gone absolutely through the roof in this past year. Something maybe about all of us being cooped up in our houses or using them as offices and schools really sparked a desire to upgrade those spaces. With so many do-it-yourself projects, this renovation craze might affect the way that we buy or even repair our homes in the long run. Throughout the hour today, we're going to take a look at this trend from a few different perspectives, including a contractor with 35 years of firsthand experience in renovations, and we'll talk with an expert who is going to offer insight into what this home repair surge means for low-income families who live in older homes. But first, to get a big-picture sense of how home repairs and remodels fit into our current national economy, I'm joined by Kermit Baker. He is a senior research fellow at Harvard University's Joint Center for Housing Studies. Kermit, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, great to be with you today. Yes. So let's start with this. What What is it about this moment in American life that's making so many people want to renovate or buy uh, a home? Uh, the, the numbers, when you look at them, are, are just off the charts, and, and they don't seem to be slowing down. Well, you're absolutely right, Stephen, that this has been a, a very odd period in our economic history. We had a you know, steep downturn, one of the steepest economic downturns in, in, in history um, in, in the spring of last year. And then we saw some sectors take off and others um, um, really remain quite subdued in terms of the activity. And, and the residential market, as you mentioned, is, is one of those, uh, both home buying and home improvements. Uh, auto market was strong too. There were just you know some things that uh, consumers uh, wanted and needed to spend money on, and fixing up their home was certainly uh, very high on that list. So uh, the 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 real question I think in a lot of people's minds is how temporary is this? Is this driven by the pandemic? And you know, as I was referencing in the open, you know, the fact that we're so cooped up and that and that our houses really have taken on. Uh, you know, a different purpose in in the pandemic. Uh, how much of it is about that that immediate kind of um, inspiration, and how much of it is maybe a, a, a total shift in the way that that sector of the economy um, operates? I did have I had an interesting conversation with a real estate agent here in Detroit recently who said. Uh, that he thought this was at least a, a, a year or two still ahead of us in terms of the way things uh, are going. Uh, but what's your sense of how permanent all of this might be? Well, we certainly have a you know a very strong head of steam up here. I mean, I think I think you're right in saying that it was the pandemic and how households were really forced to focus more on their homes for home offices for. Uh, teaching kids for just uh, you know having you know uh, a room to exercise in, do hobbies uh, and, and other sorts of things, but but I think it probably will stay with us for a while. I think we're we're more home focused now. Um, you know our our 
patterns of interacting have changed pretty fundamentally. And I think that's going to continue to be a, a case for, for a while. Secondly, I think there's a, a lot of folks uh, who are saying, gee, if this happened once, could it happen again? And should we be thinking about, uh, you know, really uh, accessorizing our home and retrofitting our homes in, in the event that we're going to be homebound again in the, in the not too distant future. So I think it, it I think it's fundamentally changed how a lot of households view their home, uh, what activities they need to conduct out of their homes, and 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 really where they should be focusing their energies. Mm. Um, I also want to talk about what's driving the costs, both the costs of renovations and of purchase, and I think they might be related, maybe distantly, uh, but they certainly have independent uh, drivers. One of them, of course, in the renovation space is the cost of supplies, the cost of lumber and things like that, which are higher right now because of the pandemic and because of the supply chain disruptions. Uh, but but I think that's probably somewhat different from uh, the, 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 the rise in home costs, which is about uh, the, the, the absolute dearth of supply right now, especially uh, in big cities. I mean, here in Detroit, uh, right now, the number of houses on the market uh, in the hottest neighborhoods is at a low I've I've never ever seen before. But but let's talk about those those cost drivers uh, in in both contexts. Yeah, it's um, I mean on one hand um, we do have very low interest rates, um, and so there's some incentive to buy a home now while mortgage rates are low. Um, there's some incentive to uh, uh, undertake a home improvement uh, because uh, you know the ca- uh, the cost of a home equity line of credit or um, or or cashing out uh, when you refinance your mortgage um, is is very favorable. Um, but but you're absolutely right about the uh, the cost structure and and I think we have a we've discovered that we have a very fragile supply chain uh, really throughout our economy. And, and we've seen it maybe a little more directly in terms of um, uh, home building and remodeling. You know, the cost of lumber has tripled over the last six months. Mm-hmm. But if if you, Stephen, like I have, have gone in to try to replace an appliance in our kitchen, for example, uh, invariably uh, we are confronted with, well, that model is on a three-month uh, back order, and and that sink is on a five-month back order, or, mm-hmm. or things like that. So we're so we're just seeing, um, you know, how much difficulty we're having, and it's not unique to housing. Uh, I mean, this started up uh, quite ironically. A lot of jokes about this with toilet paper, and and we've seen it now with uh, semiconductor chips and and other things. There's just a uh, a real stickiness to our supply chain. Uh, you know, I think we're seeing sort of the, the downside of globalism now, which is that um, you know different parts and pieces are are, are really sourced uh, across the world, and if there's a delay in any part of that, um, it slows down the whole process. And we're seeing a lot of markets that are slowed down by uh, fundamental problems in the supply chain. Mm. And on the home sale side, this this low supply of, of homes, which results in you know any house that goes on the market uh, getting multiple offers above ask within just a few days, and and we're seeing in Detroit and, and in Southeast Michigan uh, the growth of cash sales for for houses, which I just uh, you know blows my mind. People walking around. Uh, with a half million dollars 
in their pocket to be able to buy a, a home. Um, what, what, what's, what's driving that? Why is the supply so, so low on the, on the home sale side? Well, I, I, I think the immediate problem is you don't want to put your home on the market if you don't know where you're going to be next. Mm-hmm. And so the difficulty of a seller finding a new home uh, is going to create, you know, kind of ripple through the system and, 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 and you see this low inventory. I think fundamentally what has been driving this, though, is that we've just seen um, um, over a decade of, of underproduction in our in our home building um, uh, industry. Um, we, we have historically built as a country somewhere around 15 million homes a decade ever since the 1970s. Uh, last decade, we built fewer than 10 million new homes. Um, at the same time, our population was growing and we, we, we saw the millennial generation uh, begin to get into uh, forming households and, and renting or, or buying homes. So this combination of a, a, a growing market looking to buy homes coupled with um, you know, a very substantial undersupply of homes for an extended period of time is, is creating a problem where we have, as you suggested, very, very low, record low inventories of homes on the market. Mm. I'm talking with Kermit Baker. He's the project director for Remodeling Futures Program at the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard University. Uh, we're talking this hour about the really ex- exploding costs of uh, home renovations and uh, home sales uh, during a pandemic during which, uh, of course, the economy took major hits. It's one of the kind of contrary indicators uh, to the recession that was caused by uh, the pandemic. Uh, We want to hear from you this hour as well. Call and tell us if you've recently bought or renovated your home. Uh, What pushed you to tackle these big changes now? Uh, Was it being at home more that prompted you to overhaul some aspect of uh, your home space? Uh, how much did it cost you? How easy was it to get it done? Uh, I know that lots of people are calling uh, contractors to have work done and and being told, yeah, I, I could do that, but maybe in six or eight months uh, because they are so busy. Uh, also, give us a sense if you're in the market for a new, uh, for a new home, if you're moving, uh, how are you finding that? Uh, the supply of new homes uh, on the market is at an all-time low as well. Uh, lots of people trying over and over to get homes and, and either being outbid uh, or just uh, being crushed by the mob of people who are uh, rushing to see uh, houses that, that get listed. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we'll work you into the conversation a little later in the conversation, we are also going to talk about uh, the effect of all of this on low-income uh, homeowners uh, who might have older homes, for instance, that need uh, renovations and things like that. Of course, uh, the the income inequality that exists uh, in this country always plays out in various different contexts and makes problems look different for those uh, who sit at the bottom of the economic spectrum. Uh, but again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the on the phones. Uh, Kermit, before we get to our listeners and their comments, um, I do want to ask you about what we're going to talk about later, but what this all means for low-income homeowners. Are these trends only widening the disparities that we see 
in in housing already? Well, I think that that's clearly the, the case, Stephen, and, and and I think it's 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 really two factors that are going on here. One is that we sort of alluded to that the you know the costs are going up for for standard projects. Uh, the accessibility of uh, availability of contractors is is low, and so um, um, you know low income households in general have a more difficult time paying these uh, inflated costs for a home improvement project. I think independent of that though, is that we need to think about really what has happened economically during the pandemic. And there have been really two worlds out there in terms of how households have been affected. There's a, there, there's a big group um, that um, were basically unaffected by the pandemic in terms of their income. They, they, it was easy for them to work remotely um, um, their incomes weren't affected, but their their a lot of their typical expenditures went down. They couldn't go out to they couldn't travel, couldn't go out to dinner, couldn't do couldn't go to a you know baseball game or a football game over that time. And so they they had to, uh, built up a fair amount of cash, and they're feeling pretty good about things. Uh, on the other hand, our our folks that worked in the uh, services industries that got hammered. Um, by, by the downturn, um, and they they lost income even with the uh, you know even with the federal programs that helped to kind of buffer that a little bit. We still have uh, a lot of households that um, have not been doing very well financially. Uh, the, the Census Bureau has been tracking this, and they tell us that forty uh, percent of owners uh, nationally report that they have lost employment income during the pandemic. And 10% of owners nationally report that they are behind on their mortgage payments. Wow. So um, that, that that's a huge problem. It's probably you haven't even really seen the uh, the basics of that problem yet because because of uh, uh, federal subsidy uh, or, or stimulus regulations that are um, that that are re- that, that are helping owners that are behind on their mortgage defer those payments till later, but at some point they're going to come due um, and they're going to have a lot of mortgage payments to make up. And if their income um, hasn't recovered, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to do that. Yeah. Uh, Michael on uh, Twitter says, for real estate, I've heard that the current problem is there is overflow of capital at the top within the investor class. This has led to stock price, Bitcoin and residential real estate skyrocketing. Investors are driving the bubble not residents. Uh, Kermit, is that is that an accurate the picture of what's going on here? You know, I think that's an element. I, w- I wouldn't say that's the that's the entirety of the problem. But but again, during the pandemic, a, a lot of folks decided, you know, I don't want to be in my, you know, in, in my downtown condo or I don't want to be in my tightly packed suburban single family home. So um, maybe I'll buy a vacation home or a second home and work out of that during the pandemic and maybe maybe hold on to that for a while after that. And, you know, and I do have money, as as we talked about. Um, Mortgage rates are low. Now might be a good time to go ahead and get that second home or vacation home. So I think that did that did uh, uh, put a little extra pressure on the market. But I but I think there's There's issues well beyond that that are driving these double-digit increases in house prices that we've seen over the past uh, uh, over the past year or two. Uh, Big Neo on Twitter says it's really hard to find and keep home repair workers. A lot of them are only taking the really high-paying projects, leaving homeowners in a lurch for small jobs that still need a pro. Some pros have hinted at taking a bonus payment to put you at the top uh, of their list. 
that that reminds me of that side of this 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 boom is really good for people who do home repair work. It's also, though, exposed, I think, that uh, perhaps we don't have enough people uh, doing that work, that uh, the demand right now is really outstripping the supply of, of good uh, and, and qualified people uh, to do that work. Is that something that we, I mean, again, I mean, this all happened so quickly, uh, there was no way to, to prepare for it. None of us could have predicted that it would happen. But over the next year, two years, will we see or should we see a boom in in people deciding to do that kind of work? I think we will. And, and, and you know, you're raising the labor issue, too, which I think is an emerging problem in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the labor problem on the residential side has not been as bad as you might expect because they've been able to kind of pick up some of the uh, weak demand on the commercial side. You know, obviously, office construction, retail construction, uh, hotel construction have been extremely weak uh, during the pandemic. And some of the electricians and plumbers and carpenters that traditionally work in those industries have been able to come over and help uh, satisfy the the demand that we're seeing on the residential side. Um, As the commercial markets recover and as the residential uh, markets continue to be strong, that, that's going to be a huge issue, um, that we're just not going to have a late, uh, enough labor out there. And it turns out that, you know, that this increase in inflation and in, in, in construction costs so far has been almost exclusively on the material side. You know, we talked about lumber and other sorts of things. We haven't seen an awful lot of inflation on the labor side uh, so far. And, and I think over the coming year, it's, it's inevitable that we will see uh, a lot more inflation uh, on, on construction wages as, as contractors uh, look to uh, increase their payrolls. And, and this is sort of tied into another issue, which is the overall uh, immigration situation. About 30% of workers in the construction industry are uh, immigrants, are foreign born. Hmm. Um, and, and construction is uh, second only to um, agriculture in terms of its reliance on, on an immigrant uh, workforce. So if, if, if the immigration numbers don't pick up, that's going to be a problem too. That's, that's been a, a big source of fueling uh, the growth in, in, in our construction uh, labor supply. And uh, um, that, that, could, that could be an issue too, depending on what policies we decide to pursue there. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to keep Kermit Baker, and we are going to bring in a longtime local contractor to talk about his firsthand experience in the home remodel and renovation world over the past year. We also want to continue to hear from you. Give us a call. Tell us what you're doing uh, with your house now that it's not just home, but maybe work and school as well. Are you making changes there? How are you finding uh, the ability to get someone to do that work? And the cost of doing that work uh, should be a little higher, or maybe a lot higher than it would have been a year ago. Also, tell us if you're in the market for a new home and what you're finding uh, as you look for deals, uh, places that uh, you can afford or maybe get a cheaper price on. Prices are through the roof here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, we'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. 
You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. So we're talking this hour about the real surge in home renovation projects and home sales and the surging costs that have accompanied that surge. Uh, what does that look like for people here in Southeast Michigan, both uh, consumers uh, and the people who do the work on home renovation and home sellers? Uh, and what does it mean long term? Is this just kind of a bubble inspired by the pandemic or are we seeing a real shift uh, in this industry that will be with us for a long time? Uh, we've got Kermit Baker with us. He's the project director for Remodeling Futures Program at the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard University. Uh, and I want to welcome another voice to the conversation now. Sam Knowlton is owner of Pinnacle Contracting. He's got more than 35 years of experience in building and remodeling here in Metro Detroit. Sam, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. How are you? Yes, very good. Uh, also, we want to hear from you, the listeners, about your experiences. We've got a lot of folks uh, today on social media talking about what they've done uh, in, the last, uh, in the last year on their houses or what it's like in the housing market. Uh, we'll get to some of those, uh, some of those comments uh, soon, but if you want to join us on the phones, you can do that at 313-577-1019, 313-577-1019. Call and tell us what it's like out there trying to get your bathroom remodeled or trying to get a home office space kind of formalized in your house or what it's like buying or selling a home right now. Really different than it was uh, before the pandemic uh, for sure. Uh, Sam, um, give us a sense of what this increased demand for construction materials looks like, especially sure. for you and uh, and your work. You've been doing this for 35 years. I would imagine that the last year has been different than all of the other 34. So, yes, I've got uh, in excess of 35 years because my dad actually was a general contractor as well. So I'm second generation. Hmm. And um, the cost of materials has gone through the roof. It's, I'm, I'm really happy to have this conversation. I know I'm qualified to have it. Even as early this morning, one of my guys went to one of the big box stores to pick up some two-by-fours for a project we're working on. A two-by-four-by-eight now is in excess of $8. Wow. For a two-by-four-by-eight. Uh, 2018, 2017, they were about $2.20. I was going to say, yeah. They, I, I always thought of those as like two, $2 items. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's now eight $8.00. So for some, it would take some out of the game. I'm not sure what your, what people's price point is. You know, when bidding jobs, I bid everything by linear feet, by square foot. I use unit cost. So I'm pretty safe there. But if the owner cannot afford it, it doesn't matter about my unit cost. Hmm. And and so when you send your guys to the store to, to buy materials for a job and they have a bill that in that case is, you know, four times or nearly four times what it's supposed to be, what does that mean? I mean, you, you, you've got to pass that cost on to your customers, right? I do if I'm in a good position to do it. If I've already bid at the job, they've already signed the contract, then I'm kind of left holding the ball. I've got to co- keep my commitment. Uh, however, if I'm not in a contract, I have some leeway there. Sometimes the client will say, how much more? Some will say, well, I can't do all of it right now. Or some say just, you know, I can't do it. Hmm. So I'm in a very difficult position. I was speaking to one of the producers on another station, and I was saying that I may have to change 
even what I'm doing as a general contractor and just do consulting because I can't afford to, you know, we have 300% plus increase in cost of lumber right now. Wow. Wow. So so I, the flip side of that, Sam, it seems to me would be that the demand for your work uh, is is also going through the roof that that you have the opportunity to do more jobs than yeah. you did before, but but does that not offset the increased cost? In other words, that the the business, uh, even though you've got more business, uh, the the increased costs make it make it just not worth uh, maybe well, not worth the going. Economics, the economics and the demand are not in alignment right now. Okay. That's the problem. Because right now I'm cutting into my profit a little bit just to keep the work moving on contracts I've already had. Mm-hmm. So I normally would do like a 10 and 10 overhead in profit. Now I'm cutting into that uh, just to keep the contracts that have already signed before the cost increase. Now the cost is going up yet again. Uh, the, the the demand is not my my is not my concern at this point. <laughs> right. And also supply, even the availability of materials. Because it's, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to get them. It's a lot harder. Like windows. I used to get windows in 10 to 14 days. Now it's taking between 8 and 12 weeks to get windows. Mm. Wow. Wow. So, so uh, uh, Kermit Baker, I'd, I'd love to have you react to what we're hearing uh, from Sam and talk about how those pressures uh, are affecting the economics of this, not just here in Michigan, but, but nationwide. Well, I think, uh, Stephen, I think Sam's story is really very typical of uh, that you hear from contractors across the country, that there's very strong demand out there. And to some extent, that's uh, offsetting the higher prices. A a lot of consumers uh, will dig a little deeper uh, because they want to get the project done. Um, But it does create, you know, some hardships. Uh, We talked about before, low-income households had difficulty affording it. And it it does create a little pressure, I think, between the customer and and a contractor like Sam, who, you know, they don't want to hear that uh, they can't start on their project for six months or so. And, um, you know, I'm guessing that Sam is inundated with phone calls from customers that are waiting saying, when can yeah. you start? You know, uh, what, yeah. you know, what's going on here? What can we do to get this project moving forward? And it's creating some, some tensions, I think, that we don't normally see in this industry between mm. the, you know, the frustrations of households that really want that work done, really want that, you know, that home office finished so they can move into it, or really want that bedroom converted to a, um, you know, a, a, a distance learning center for their kids. Um, so they can, they, they can, uh, um, you know, engage better with their teachers and things like that. So, um, you know, I think a lot of contractors would kind of, you know, that, that, were, that were really hoping for a stronger market might be hoping for something a little less strong now so that they could yeah. uh, uh, manage their workloads uh, in, in, a, in a more routine way. If I could jump in Go for ahead, a Sam. moment and offer this. Um, not only is the demand an issue, a lot of jobs I have schedules. I schedule a job thinking we could get 100 two-by-fours tomorrow, only go to the supplier, and they only have 30. Hmm. So now i got to spend a whole day with guys going to different locations trying to pick up enough materials to do the job. So that throws off the schedule. So the guy that was scheduled for tomorrow can't be there tomorrow because we're still framing. So then he's not available the following day. It just creates a a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. And the owner is really upset. I have a few clients now that are really, really upset with me, even today. So I'm having them talk to some of my suppliers so they'll see that it's not 
of any fault of my own, I want to get it done expeditiously as possible. But if I can't get the materials or the cost is ridiculous, we're trying to find another source. So, Sam, give me a sense of how long, if the trends now continue, how long can you sustain this this business model for 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 your work? And and you mentioned uh, maybe going just to the consulting side of, of things and, and abandoning doing the actual work, which of course makes uh, the labor problem even worse. If you're yeah. if you're not doing that work, that means uh, there's that many fewer people uh, available. But 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 how long before you feel like you'd have to make that kind of decision? Three years. I think I'm good for three years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was less before, but I think I'm kind of changing um, the scope of work. And I'm giving myself more grace. For instance, I will manage expectations on the client. Mm-hmm. I will let them know this is normally a two-week project, but it may take four months. Wow. That way I can manage their expectation, and it puts me in a better position. I'd rather under-promise and over-deliver. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, but, and, and survive this thing. Yeah, right. But then, of course, the customers are... Are frustrated because because uh, they've got to wait for as long as as they do, and you know, I mean that that immediacy is uh, yeah is something we've come to expect. Okay, I want to uh, get to some of our social media comments. We got a lot of them, sure. uh, a lot of people talking about what they've been doing in the last twelve months. Julie on Twitter says we've done several projects. Uh, the first was to refresh the home office where I work full time. Uh, she says we hadn't done anything to that room. In more than 15 years, uh, Carrie on Twitter says, we are trying to buy a house and it is so hard. We lose out to cash offers that are fifteen to 50000 over asking price. Uh, Kate on Twitter says, I've been trying to buy a home for over a year now. Most winning bidders are offering appraisal guarantees, which means they have a surplus of cash to spend, making the whole process feel very elite. Um, We also have a a question on Twitter. Ed on Twitter asks whether, Kermit, uh, you could make clear the difference between deferment and forbearance and the short-term housing effects. Uh, Talk about how those things have been playing out during the pandemic. Yeah, what, what, you know, what the government has done is basically said that, you know, you know, uh, mortgages that are in, that are, you know, handled through the secondary mortgage markets, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, that they can't foreclose on those mortgages uh, because of non-payment for, you know, a, a period of time. So basically, the, the the holder of the mortgage gets a grace period um, during these tough times to to not have to make. Uh, uh, mortgage payments, as I as I said uh, uh, b- before, though, Stephen, that, that that's not forever, obviously. And at some point, it's going to be declared that okay, this is back to business as usual. And if I'm six months or nine months behind on my my mortgage payment, then you know, then I'm back to the old rules of if I don't pay up, um, you know, the lender can foreclose on, on on my mortgage. So you know, this is kind of a bit of a time bomb out there, I think, in terms of you know, when are we going to see the impact of this uh, really affect um, particularly low income uh, low income uh, homeowners. I mentioned that 10% of homeowners are behind on their mortgage payments, according to surveys done by the U.S. Census Bureau. But that number is, um, you know, twice, three times as high for lower income uh, uh, homeowners. So we, we, we do have it focused in a certain segment of the population. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Call and tell us 
what you're doing to your house uh, because of the pandemic, uh, whether you're buying a new house uh, and experiencing the the surge in prices and the low inventory that we're seeing uh, in the home sale market here. Let's go to Karen in Detroit. Karen, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Go ahead, Karen. Yeah, I'm a homeowner, and I'm trying to get a gate, a roof fixed, and my garage fixed. I can't even get my lawn cut. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, so what do you do when you can't get those kind of things done? It's got to be really frustrating, Karen. I keep making appointments. I even had a, a roofer come out. You know, and take a look, and he's supposed to call me back with a price, and they don't call me back. Oh, no. So I'm chasing contractors. My daughter's got one, and I'm trying to grab him when he finishes what he's doing for her. But And, I'm, and I've am and i never had this happen. I'm getting people calling me, text messages, and emails, do you want to sell your house? Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, that's just, uh, that's, that's just kind of a, a crazy place to be. Karen, I'm glad you called uh, and shared that with us. Uh, Amanda didn't stay with us on the line, but uh, she had a specific question that I think uh, Sam might be able to uh, address. She was asking about new windows. She wants new windows for her house, and she's wondering whether she should wait because maybe prices will go down uh, in a in a few months. Uh, they're so high right now. Sam, what 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 would you counsel people? who are um, thinking about projects like that. I have given my clients um, the option. I could, I've told them what the increase has been over the last 18 months, and I don't know the forecast. So it's, a, it's, it's almost a gamble, almost, because one of the largest window companies here in Metro Detroit recently closed their doors forever. I've dealt with them for 35 years since I've been in business, and they closed their doors. So not everybody is left to go to the big box stores for the most part or some of the larger window companies. Um, and it's still a eight to twelve week process, and the cost has has at least doubled with windows. And I think it's you know I'm really convinced a little bit, and I, I hope no one marks me on this. I think it's just a it's a gamble now. It's a real gamble now. People are just gouging us now because it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what a window costs now. I used to get a, a standard twenty eight fifty four window for a hundred and sixty dollars. Now it's three hundred and ten dollars for the window. Wow. Wow. So, so uh, Kermit Baker, uh, is there a limit to, I guess, the, the feasibility of, of this surge? In other words, if things get priced to the point that Sam is talking about and, and Amanda is worried about, uh, you know, people won't, won't be able to buy, right? And, and won't that threaten the, the growth, I guess, the, 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 the expected or, or natural growth that, that's coming out of this and make it more of a bubble. Yeah, you know, I think you're exactly right, Stephen, that there is a limit to what consumers are willing uh, or actually able to pay for a project. So, uh, you know, on the demand side, as we economists like to like to look at, you know, their prices go high enough and, and households are going to say, I, I, that's just not worth it for me. I, I think the solution hopefully is more on the supply side, though, that this has been a you know, I, I, we talked before very briefly about this sort of uh, um, really messed up supply chain that we're seeing out there in terms mm-hmm. of uh, getting products to the market. You know, to start with, with with lumber, kind of that's that's where we're seeing the worst problems. And part of that was uh, due to tariffs that we we uh, we put on lumbers and, and, and part on, on lumber products. And part of that was due to the fact that a lot of the, the mills, uh, the lumber mills, when the pandemic hit, 
basically said, well, this is going to kill the housing market or kill the remodeling market. Let's shut down our operation. Um, and that seemed like a sensible thing to do in, in, in March or April of 2020. Um, when demand came surging back, um, they were really caught behind the eight ball, though. They just couldn't ramp up production fast enough to meet the demand. Coupled with, you know, like every other industry, we're seeing production levels below their normal levels because uh, a lot of workers are sick or nervous about going into work, given the health concerns and things like that. So, you know, we, we, we've had a lot of problems. Um, it, it spiked up prices. Um, uh, we, we tend to see a lot of volatility in commodity prices as we go through these cycles. So ho hopefully this one will seek some sort of equilibrium um, in, 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 in the coming months or quarters. But as Sam says, it's very difficult to know when that's going to happen. Is it going to yeah. be a month from now? Is it going to be six months from now? Is it going to be a year from now? Um, and, and it's very difficult to know. Go ahead, Sam. It's actually kind of disheartening to me as a contractor because I, I really want to honor the prices. You know, I've, I've done this for 35 years, and it's kind of disheartening to me. I work in the industry of Detroit for a lot of the lower-income homes, mm -hmm. and for me to not be able to do a door because grandmother cannot afford it, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's, that's the issue for me as a contractor. I don't just do this and make money. I do this because I enjoy making things beautiful for people. I enjoy my experiences. But when I have to walk away from that doorknob mm. because they cannot afford an additional $150, that's an issue for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not getting any better. So now i got to help her put the door on the hinges as I'm leaving because she don't have the additional $150 because there are deteriorating wood factors around the door frame wow. that wasn't included in the cost of the door. Yeah. yeah. You know, these extenuating circumstances can really cause cost of reputation. It could cost relationships because it's, it's not it's not construction as usual. It's really not. Yeah. OK. Uh, Sam Knowlton, owner of Pinnacle Contracting. It was really great to have you here to give your perspective on this uh, sure. on this subject. Thanks so much for joining us. Sure, thank you. Mm. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to keep Kermit Baker. And we are also going to talk with Pat Cooney of Poverty Solutions about how this surge in home remodeling is impacting low-income homeowners, something we've talked a little bit about. But Pat is going to help us dive deeper into that subject. We want to continue to hear from you as well, both on social media, which is going a little crazy today, and on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad that you've decided to join us. We're talking right now about the surges, the surges in costs of home renovations, the surges in demand for home renovations as the pandemic has all of us using our home spaces a little differently than we did before. Uh, we're also talking about the boom in the housing market itself, uh, the low supply of houses that's on the market for sale, uh, and the unbelievably surge, the unbelievable surge in prices uh, for the homes that are available to buy. Uh, we want to hear from you this hour as well. 313-577-1019. Call and tell us what your experience is 
with all of this? Are you trying to get work done on your house and finding it difficult to get, to get somebody who can do it, but then also finding uh, that uh, the prices are out of reach? Uh, or are you in the home market and having a hard time finding something that's affordable to buy and is not overrun with other people uh, who also want to buy it? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to uh, the WDET Facebook page and to Twitter, which today has been experiencing its own surge for us. Uh, Lots and lots of comments there uh, about people looking for work, uh, looking for people to do work, I should say, on on their houses. Uh, You can also leave comments there. And uh, we'll try to work as many of them as we can into the conversation. Uh, My guests are Kermit Baker, who is the project director for Remodeling Futures Program at the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard University. And I want to welcome another voice to talk a little more about the impact of all of this on low-income homeowners. Uh, Pat Cooney is assistant director of economic mobility at Poverty Solutions, who oversees the partnership on economic mobility between the University of Michigan and the city of Detroit. Pat, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, a social media comment um, and, and just have you react to it uh, and, and put it in, in context, I guess, uh, for the, the, the larger picture here. Stephanie on Twitter says, I bought a house last October and plan to install a fence this summer. The quote for the fence is slightly more than the down payment was for the house. I will wait until next year and hope for better pricing. Um, that's great that Stephanie has that choice, but her example, I think, uh, when you apply it to the low-income context, uh, means that there's lots of people who need things done on their houses right now and really just can't afford them. And this surge in prices uh, is, is, is widening that gap. Uh, talk to us about what that looks like on a regional and national level, uh, Pat. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so, you know, and we don't have a lot of data on how the, uh, how low-income homeowners have been sort of um, making repairs during during the pandemic, if they've been able to, but a lot of our research in the home repair ecosystem in Detroit looked at the ecosystem in in 2018 and 2019, um, and, and, you know, by and large, um, what we found is that you know low-income homeowner, homeowners are, are are sort of left out of this market, and I think this for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, you know, one one big one is you know sort of traditional lending tools are often out of reach. Um, you know, due to um, home assessments in in, in Detroit neighborhoods, um, uh, and and also sort of the you know income and and, and credit of, of potential borrowers. And the the sort of loan the the loan and grant programs that are specifically dedicated to low and moderate income homeowners to try and and help them with kind of major repairs of their home to help with their long term housing stability the the resources dedicated to that don't come close to matching the overall need. So we we did a basically a, a gap analysis that showed there's roughly twenty five thousand homes in the city that. Um, you know, were either sort of moderately or severely um, deemed inadequate by the American Housing Survey. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a given year, the the number of homes that are able to get sort of access to any of these kind of loan or grant programs that are specifically dedicated to lower moderate income homeowners is, is closer to about 3,000. So there's a, there's a big gap there. And we, and we think the gap's even larger because 
the data on the American Housing Surveys is um, really looking at kind of severe housing distress. So some some of the more run-of-the-mill repairs, you know, folks are often uh, also having a hard hard, hard time accessing. Yeah. Um, uh, Talk about how central repairs are to low-income home ownership. Uh, It's different for, for, for poor people. Yeah, I mean, so... You know what's interesting is that you know there's there's fifty thousand over fifty thousand households in the city that earn under thirty five thousand dollars a year and are and are homeowners. Uh, they own their own home, and uh, the primary sort of barrier to keeping stability for a lot of these households, you know, end up looking being property taxes and um, and, and and home repairs, either the cost of repairs or you know does a home repair get so severe that you that you have to um, that you have to leave your house. Um, and so some of the major issues we see, right, are, um, you know, HVAC, heating, uh, sort of major electrical plumbing issues, uh, roof repair, some of these, some of these larger kind of um, big ticket items. And again, th- this is one of these things where, you know, they're not repairs necessarily that people are trying to make to sort of enhance their home, but just to, just to maintain um, sort of some, some level of, um, of stability. So we, you know, when we look at the overall system, we think about the sort of housing stability in Detroit, um, we think that homeownership can be a you know a real tool to to get that um, stability. But the resources need to be provided to enable folks to make these uh, kind of core health and safety repairs that you know um, enhance their stability and and help them to stay in those homes kind of over, over the long term. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's go to Elena in Corktown, who I think has a really interesting perspective on all this. Elena, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I have constantly gotten notices and even knocks on my door from people who say, I'll give you cash for your house. <laughs> and it's, I live here. This is my home. Yeah. And if there's anything I'm ever going to leave to my girls, it'll be this house. And I just want to say that I need a lot of repairs. It's a 118-year-old house, Mm. and I can't get the repairs because the city turned the grant program into a loan program. And also, the um, DTE was going to do the home insulation for me, and I was qualified for it. But then they found that I had knob and tube, and I couldn't get it removed. So I don't get to have the home weatherization program that I was qualified for. But at the same time... There's houses or units going up here for six hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars. Yeah, there really are. And they're all sold. Yeah. So yeah. I want to just say that Detroiters, most of us who are from the Motor City and have had the luxury of driving, have spent most of our income on car insurance, and we haven't been able to do the car repairs um, that we need, the home repairs that we need during this pandemic. And I've made some of the repairs myself in my house. Thank God for YouTube, but it's really been very difficult. So for a single person with a home, there's just vultures everywhere. Mm, wow. Uh, Elena, I'm really glad you called and uh, lended that perspective. Uh, Pat Cooney, one thing she referenced there is is the city's program to help homeowners, low-income homeowners with repairs, which, as she pointed out, switched from a grant to a loan, which is nowhere near uh, as 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 helpful, but it strikes me that that these are the that's the sort of the space we should be talking about is is where government can kind of 
bridge the gap uh, between mm-hmm. low income homeowners and and the need to, to to keep their properties up. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's exactly right. You know, I will say the you know the the zero percent home loan program that the city of Detroit offers um, you know definitely fills a gap. There's 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 parts of the city that it's very hard to get traditional lending um, again because of home valuations and the the city's zero uh, percent home loan program fills it fills a, a critical need um, uh, in in that space. But you know one thing that we found in our analysis was there's, there's a lot of low income homeowners who who are still unable to access that program either due to credit score or their their debt to income ratio or 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 even if they lack home insurance, um, which many low income homeowners do. Um, and so no, we do have to think creatively about how to get more resources um, devoted to this uh, to to this work. You know, one big opportunity that we that we have now is you know we have the American Rescue Plan dollars coming in from the federal government. Um, there's a lot of that money that is discretionary towards towards local governments um, and 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 extending home repair uh, resources, particularly in the area of, of lead abatement um, in many Detroit homes, is would be a great kind of one-time use um, uh, of those dollars. Um, but you know, by and large, I do think that when we talk about overall resources, I do I, I do think that the lever is more likely going to be from the federal government. That sort of large influx of dollars that the federal government is able to bring in specifically for um, for this purpose. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Pat Cooney of the Poverty Solutions uh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. And uh, Kermit Baker of the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard University. It was really great to have you here with us for this hour. Thank you for joining us. Great, great to join you today, Stephen. Yeah. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks to our senior intern, Nora Ryan, for her help in shaping and producing today's show. Tune in tomorrow for my conversation with Vaslav Smil, who's an environmental scientist, policy analyst, and hugely prolific author. He is also Bill Gates' go-to guy for making sense of our world, and he's got a new book. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.